Amen. So the scripture I'd like to read today, read with you, is from Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. This is the word of the Lord. In his letter to the Galatians, uh, the Apostle Paul says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Listen, I, Paul, am telling you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Once again, I testify to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the entire law. You who want to be justified by the law have cut yourselves off from Christ. You have fallen away from His grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. You were running so well. Who prevented you from obeying the truth? Such persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough. I am confident about you and the Lord that you will not think otherwise. But whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. But my friends, why am I still being persecuted if I am still preaching circumcision? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would castrate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, the 4th of July weekend is a great time, a necessary time to remember the amazing freedoms that we have in this country, is it not? To, To give thanks, to remember the unimaginable freedoms that we have in our country. I mean, if you think about how blessed we are, I even think about every time I turn on the hot water, how much of a privilege that is, how great of a blessing that is. Freedom for all the choices we would have, freedom of religion, just freedom in general. It's important to remember that these are not a given. And I think everybody in our country probably appreciates a freedom of choice, right? Most people appreciate the freedom of choice. But gratitude for freedom quickly turns into disagreements of how our freedom should be used or what the limits of our freedom should be or who should be able to limit that freedom that we have. And this has actually become the narrative of the time that we live in. See if you agree. The nature of freedom, is this is the messages we hear, the nature of freedom from marketers, politicians, activists, lobbyists, even pastors, 
try to give us a vision of freedom that is about us. Their version of the use of the freedom that will save us from our current needs and perils. That's what they're doing. Marketers say, you need this. It will save you from the anxiety that you're feeling. You need to vote for this person because they're going to bring about the future that you so long for in your heart. They will save you. Soothe our anxiety and fear. Give us hope and a future. I'll give that to you. Pastors get into a lot of trouble when they start giving those kind of messages. We hear these messages that say, I'll bring you peace. I'll save you. Paul has a word for this. A phrase, rather. He calls this a false gospel. A false gospel. A phony gospel. The false gospel narrative of the world today is that I have the freedom to have what I want, when I want it, and to do what I want to do at all times. Nobody has the right to tell me otherwise. And we all subscribe to this narrative. We do. Do you see the problem with it? Have you read the news lately? (laughs) Friends, literally almost every major challenge of our time is about this. How do we use our freedoms to bring about the future that we so long for, that we desire? And in a sense, we are subscribing, when that becomes the main narrative of our hearts, we are subscribing to a false gospel. Some lie that somebody else besides Christ is going to speak truth and peace into our hearts. That He's going to make a way for us in this life no matter what happens. That He's going to make a way for us to live with Him for eternity. Paul calls this a false gospel. What he was so upset about was circumcision. And really the reason he's upset about circumcision was because these Christians were starting to fall back to the belief that they needed to obey the entire law. Like, Jews were converting to become Christians, and then they were saying, well, you, yes, you're saved by Jesus, but you also better be doing all the things of the law as well. And it, the, the focal point was circumcision. So Paul is he's really annoyed. Listen to this opening line of the book of Galatians. This is his letter to them, these Christians, that he loves, obviously loves. His heart is broken. He says, I'm astonished that you were so quickly deserting the one who called you into the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. He later accuses them of perverting the gospel of Christ. So then Paul goes on to clarify the nature of faith, saying that the only thing that counts is faith working in love. And if you continue to read Paul's writings, you see that he's not saying that all that matters is love. You know, that's the narrative of the day also, is that love wins. That's all that matters in life. But it's clear from Paul's writings, it's clear from Christ's writings, that we are to give ourselves to Jesus and let Him be the one who changes us in whatever ways that the Holy Spirit reveals need to be changed. Paul gives a vision for the proper use of freedom, not the false gospels of his time or ours. True freedom in Christ. He says this, you were called to freedom. You need to walk in to freedom. You need to continue to walk in freedom. And he he gives a 
a, a term of endearment, a phrase of endearment, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. This is true freedom. Freedom in Christ. You are called to this. This was the gospel that was proclaimed to you. And he gives a warning. He says the root of all the other false gospels is captivity. And captivity is found in self-indulgence. It's our right to use freedom for ourselves to make our own choices. And nobody should be able to tell us that we need to live a particular way always and with everything. Voting is important. The choices that we make as individuals to contribute to our community is important. But the way that we use our freedoms does not help us to walk in the freedom that Christ offers us. In fact, Paul issues a warning. He says, take care that you are not consumed by one another and devour one another. Paul makes it clear that true freedom is freedom from our self-indulgence. Freedom to love others as we love ourselves. Letting the grace of God flow into our lives and outward towards others. But when we are overly focused on self-indulgence, meaning we put our own self and our own needs first, and that's what we think about. That's what we worry about. That's what we try to protect. Well, that's what's happening, isn't it? And pretty soon, I don't even want to talk to my neighbor because I know the kind of life that they're living. I don't want to go talk to that person. I don't want to engage with them. I don't want to talk to that family member who votes differently from me. They're the enemy. Why would I do that? (sighs) Lord, have mercy. When we engage in self-indulgence, what I think is most important, that's what is the Gospel. We'll just rip each other apart. We see it. We feel the consequences of it. And the the most tragic thing for us is that if we are protecting ourselves, we can't live the life that Christ wanted us to live, to have compassion for our enemies. How clear is that in the Scriptures? To love our neighbors as we love ourselves. He says, uh, this is the contrast that Paul offers. But through love becomes slaves... To one another. Why should we become slaves to one another? For the whole, lo- the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. And Christ said, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Paul follows in the example of Jesus. He's, he's taking seriously the words and example of Jesus. And this comes, according to God, John's Gospel, this comes when Jesus is in the upper room the night before He's betrayed. And he's washing the feet of the disciples. You know, that would be so awkward for us to do because we don't have that kind of closeness with other people. But Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples. And did you know that uh, back in Jesus' time, a robe was a sign of honor? A robe, you would get a robe if you were someone to be honored and appreciated, really respected, you know? And Jesus takes off his robe. And he kneels down and commits the unthinkable act of a servant. He washes 
his disciples' feet, and he takes a towel to pat them dry. What a contrast that Jesus is uh, giving to his disciples. He says, Jesus says to his disciples, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I am your Lord and your teacher, if I have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Be a servant to them. For I have set you an example that you should also that you also should do as I have done to you. And then later, this is where, where Paul gets it. Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. Just moments later. I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. This is how people will know if you are a disciple of Jesus. He says, you will have love for one another. And listen to, listen to the similarity to what uh, Paul says. Paul's how I lost it. <laughs> but through love become slaves to one another. Slaves is a, a very similar word to servant, which is exactly what Jesus was living. This servant mindset is freedom. This is the true freedom. This is freedom in Christ, the nature of Christian freedom, because in living this way, we follow Christ. We don't follow anybody else in this world, not even your most favorite pastor. It's hopefully me. <laughs> we don't try to be like a pastor or anybody else. We try to be like Jesus. That's our goal. And the role of a pastor is to help you in that endeavor. Hopefully set an example for you, which I fail often. But we become like Christ. We follow Him. And in following Christ, becoming like Him, we find freedom. We do what He tells us to do and we discover, oh, that's what we were made for. His grace flows through us and we feel this purpose and meaning. This is how God wired us to be. We follow Christ to experience freedom. Following the flesh is to become more like Adam. Right? And we're moving away from that. I don't know about you, but I've noticed this tendency in my life. That's why I've just said, okay, I'll dive into this one, Lord, on <laughs> first week back. It's kind of a heavy hitter. <laughs> but I've noticed this, that the more I accumulate or the more that I do for myself, the more, the more I want, actually. It's not like I get, ever get satisfied like the more money, the more comfort, the more ice cream that I eat, which is a weakness for me, the more stuff that I accumulate, it's never enough. Never. So that's self-indulgence, and what it becomes is a prison. And it becomes a prison because we start to worry about it. If we think that the best thing for us is to this is the amount of time I'm going to spend with my family. And these are the activities that I always have to do. And these are the things that I always have to have. And this is the future that I have to be working towards. Anxiety and fear just creep right in there. Just come right in. I don't have enough. I don't do enough. The people that I trust don't do enough. And pretty soon we're starting to devour one another. But I'll tell you the contrast in my life. I feel like 
I, I consistently feel most alive. Most alive ever. When I just be present to somebody else. When God surprises me with some encounter, that, uh, an opportunity to just be kind to someone. Maybe it's my neighbor. Maybe it's a stranger at the park who I know is addicted to drugs and with their child. And instead of moving to judgments or anything like that, I just say, God, what would you have me to say? How would you have me to just interact with this person? Or the times where I get to serve and to encourage somebody and I just can tell that this is not about me, it's about what God is doing through me. Those are the moments I feel most alive and actually that makes it harder to feel that way the more, it's depend- the more my paycheck is related to it. <laughs> you know, if I say, well, that's my job as the pastor, I don't necessarily get that same feeling as when I was just a lay person and any time I would serve or just uh, be present to somebody and try and build a new relationship, I mean, man, that made me feel alive. And now I feel that more and more when I go to these recovery circles that I'm a part of where I can encourage young men who are struggling in their addiction, not because I'm paid, but because now I can see that God is using my past hurts, my past captivity, to set someone else free. And that's what we see in people who are really passionate about things in life. People who were at one time captive. And they were freed. They become passionate about helping others to get out. Very clearly it shows up in recovery, like I mentioned. But also with uh, uh, veterans who want to care for veterans who come back with PTSD or need a physical goods. They say, okay, you got out. Let me help you. Because I remember how that felt. And I want you to experience freedom. But anybody who has a particular nuance in the medical field or any sort of teaching, oftentimes their desire to teach and to help others is rooted in their own captivity. And now they've got a passion for helping others. I started out as a pastor with an intense passion to help others experience this this step in freedom in Christ. I said, wow, look at what what God has done in my life. He set me free. i got to go into the church because that's going to happen all the time. (laughs) In the last seven years, it's been a process of maybe lowering my expectations to say, well, maybe only like 2% of the people in churches care about that. About freedom in Christ. About walking in God's truth, but also God's grace and seeing that we are an ambassador for the compassion of Jesus. That's what I've experienced. So I wonder, friends, where is your, where is your freedom being most pointedly exercised? How are you using your freedoms that you have? Who is it for? A freedom for What? Freedom for what? That's a hard question. There's lots of different ways we can examine it, but we first have to be willing to ask ourselves the question, what is our freedom for? Is there a false gospel that has sabotaged your peace in Christ? Worry? Fear? Comfort? 
power, achievement. See, all of these things are false gospels. Just take worry and anxiety. The lie comes in saying, if I worry about this enough, I'll be saved. I'll be better. It will get better. But we know that's not true. So we are captive. So we have to learn the disciplines of setting those things down and embracing the true gospel. The false gospel is self-indulgence. That's becoming like Adam. That's not freedom. The true gospel is self-giving like Christ. Freedom in Christ enables us to feel at peace whether we have abundance or nothing. Peacetime or war. Good health or failing health. Love from Christ and love from one another. And this is what Paul says later in his uh, letter to the Philippians. He says, not that I am referring to being in need. Remember, he's in prison, being persecuted for proclaiming this gospel message. He says, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is like to have little. And I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and, and of going hungry. Of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And he says, in any case, it was nice of you to be worried about me. <laughs> so I wonder where we might be captive. Because if we don't get excited about our own spiritual freedom, if that doesn't kind of stir something in you, at minimum gratitude, then we might still be captive. If we don't care about setting other people free, even just taking small steps to get there, we might still be captive. And this is important to point out that it's not exactly like uh, the captivity of our flesh is an evil thing or anything. I'm not saying that any of the things I've mentioned as examples aren't important. It's not exactly evil. But maybe this is the most uh, common captivity that we experience. A friend gave me a book that talked about a, a comfort cave. I haven't even read the book, but I thought that analogy was fascinating. A comfort cave. We just get stuck in what we think makes us comfortable, and so we never want to get out of it. It becomes a prison. And our primary effort is focused on the maintenance of the comfort cave. I want to make this nice. I want to make sure nothing happens to it. I want to pass it on to the people that are coming next after me. Self-indulgence. Comfort is my gospel. False gospel. But the contrast is service. Serving others. Becoming like Christ. The contrast is growth, deepening of our faith, of our love for Jesus. So a couple examples before I close up. Serving is one of the most powerful ways that we experience freedom. Serving our church in all the different ways. Serving through missions. These experiences are transformational, and I've already seen this in some of our confirmands who don't want to do these things. But as soon as they do, as soon as they walk into it, all of a sudden they see, wow, this is pretty cool to be getting to know people that I would never talk to otherwise. 
And I get to do things for other people. I get to serve them. I get to make a difference, which is what generations younger than me really care about, is making a difference. But they don't see the connection with sitting in the pews and making a difference, which is really tragic for the church. But when we're in these spaces, we experience the grace of God. And just think, take of this uh, small example. Have you ever been hungry? You're getting close to lunch and then something exciting comes up? You know, something that really gets you going. This maybe is part of your work. Maybe you're out on the farm. And all of a sudden, you, you're not really that hungry anymore. You know, you just say, I can push a little bit longer. Oh, I can keep working a little bit longer. That's okay. Oh, just put it in the fridge for me, okay? And pretty soon it might be 3, 4 o'clock. You don't really think about your hunger anymore, your comfort, or maybe that you're tired or that you're aging because you're so into what you're doing. You're so into it that the flesh isn't as important as the spiritual and emotional experience that you're having. That's really what Paul's talking about. That's what we can tap into. That's why fasting is a, a spiritual discipline. But another way that we can walk in freedom with Christ is to learn more about God and ourselves. Helps us get out of the prison of self-indulgence. It opens our eyes to God's truth and gives us sort of a, a measuring stick of how, do, how are we living up to this? Are we? Are we even living this out at all? Opens our eyes and softens our hearts as we have gratitude for what Christ has done for us. And we hear of other people's struggles. This is especially in small group. Their struggles and successes, and we can help in real time discover truths about our lives through small groups, walk to Emmaus, and spiritual disciplines. But this is a basic condition that we need to get used to. Getting out of our comfort zone. Out of the comfort cave taking our eyes off of our own self. It's what helps open our eyes to how we are living freedom with Christ. Just by starting, just by talking to somebody is a good starting place. And then maybe we can move towards becoming slaves, servants rather, to one another. Faith, working through love. Remember, that's what Paul said. This is the only thing that matters. And as we engage in these habits and activities, and if we make that the culture of our church, we will discover this truth that we opened worship in. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there I am free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there I am free. Amen.